veterans are used to functioning in high-performing teams, in high-stakes environments. Without a doubt, they know how to lead. That's table stakes. But when you're coming into a junior role in an organization, you're not going to get that chance to leave right off the bat. So you're going to have to rely on some other skills. And that is being part of high-performing teams, knowing how to contribute. You do fall back a little bit on that followership initially, and you just perform. Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lenore Carafa, Marine Corps veteran, venture capitalist, and chair of Bunker Labs. Lenore served her nation with honor and continues to make a significant impact in the worlds of entrepreneurship and venture capital. We want to thank Lenore and all veterans for their service, and we dedicate this episode to them in honor of Veterans Day. Lenore, thank you so much for joining us on the Women on the Move podcast. It's great to have you on today. So great to be here. You have such an amazing career and so much extraordinary service to our country. So first of all, I just want to thank you for that. And let's start with that. You were in the military and would love to hear about your experience in the Marine Corps, why you decided to enlist, and maybe what some transformative moments were for you. I started the Naval Academy in 1996. At the time, I fully expected to be serving in the peacetime military. In those very early years, you first learned followership and then you learn how to lead. So I really had the opportunity to fail early, fail often, and truly learn from those mistakes. And in 2000, I was commissioned as an officer in the Marine Corps. My first assignment was to Camp Pendleton as a military police officer. The most formative moment that really sticks in my mind is, of course, September 11th, 2001. I'm driving to work a little bit late, and on the radio, I hear that the towers have been hit. As a native New Yorker, of course, I was very concerned in general. It was my brother's birthday. He was supposed to be in the city that day. When I finally get to Camp Pendleton, it was my boss, the provost marshal, that first identified, look, I think we're under attack. We have to shore up the base. We could be next. So at that point in time, I did whatever I could, which was grab an M16 and go stand guard on the gate. And whatever happened next happened next. At that time, literally, it was all I could do, especially in times of crisis. You really have to control what you can control. When the dust settled, I was lucky in that my brother was fine, but my childhood next door neighbor had died. A girl I grew up playing soccer with was also one of the thousands dead. So for me, 9-11 hit extremely close to home and then, of course, shaped the trajectory of my time in the military and for a generation of veterans. I'm really sorry to hear how personal that day was for you. We think about the people you lost. Thank you for sharing that with us. When you think about Veterans Day, which of course is going to be upon us, what does that day mean to you? How do you reflect on that? And who do you hold in your heart on that day? So for me, Veterans Day really is a day of intense gratitude. I am very grateful to be here and to be able to be called a veteran. It's not Memorial Day, but I know how fortunate I am to be here when others can't be. There's two Marines in particular that I reflect on. One is Captain Jennifer Harris, and the other is Dr. Kate Hendricks-Thomas. Jen Harris was my Naval Academy classmate, graduated in 2000 with me. I last saw her when I deployed to Iraq in 2005. I believe at that point in time, it was her second deployment. Didn't see her after that. She was killed in action in 2007 during her third tour. 
The other person that I reflect back on is Dr. Kate Hendricks-Thomas. So Kate and I were both military police officers in our early 20s. We were in Fallujah together for a little bit in 2005, the same deployment where I last saw Jen. She'd seen him for a few years, but what we didn't realize at the time was things that we had been exposed to overseas would jeopardize our long-term health. At the age of 38, she was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, very much fought that for the next four years quite valiantly, and also fought for burn pit legislation literally to her dying breath. Grateful to both of them, grateful for their sacrifice, and truly thankful that I get to be here and be called a veteran. Really appreciate you sharing their stories with us. I think that's so important. And being such heroes, keep our country safe, but enduring what they had to do. We think about those sacrifices all year. So thank you for sharing that with us. I'm struck by the fact that you had such strong relationships with other women in the military. I'm sure many more than that. And so I do wonder... What did it feel like to be a woman in the military relatively recently? Were there things that struck you as you had to deal with because of your gender? Were there other times that you felt surprisingly normal? We'd just love to hear about that. At the Naval Academy when I was there, it was less than 12% women. The Marine Corps, I believe, was, at least the officer corps, was less than 5% women. You really stood out. In those exceptionally skewed environments, there are women that spend a lot of time trying to fit in and be one of the guys. I absolutely fell prey to that at certain points. And there's other women that gravitate towards other women and support other women. And I found some true allies. I just told the story of two of them. At the end of the day, I'm grateful to have had that experience. When I step into a classroom in front of a bunch of hedge fund managers, and I'm the only woman, it's not a new experience for me. So it's made everything else a lot easier. Oh, I bet. So you transitioned to corporate sector, to finance. And I'm curious why you made that jump. Why did you pick that sector to make your first entry into that world? I not so much picked the sector as it kind of picked me. My story for getting into financial services was because of another Marine I had applied for a full tuition fellowship for the business school of my choice through Merrill Lynch. And it was summer of 2007. I'm starting to transition out. I literally go from running around the woods of Quantico in a green tree suit, training up new lieutenants, to the next day in the most expensive outfit I've ever worn, interviewing on Wall Street. I get brought into the wrong interview room. And in that room is a man by the name of Art Gorman. He looks at me and he says, so you're the other Marine. He's like, give me your resume so I can vote for you later. 30 second interaction, totally serendipitous. Doing what Marines do, he absolutely supported me in the process. He calls me the next day, letting me know that I received the fellowship. And he says to me, he's like, look, you just won the lottery. I was like, I know, thank you very much. What do I need to do to repay you for this kindness? And he said, just pay it forward. And his story was he was a lieutenant colonel that had retired after 20 years and started over as an associate. And he spent most of his enjoyable time on Wall Street getting other vets there that wanted to be there. So I'm forever grateful to him. Lenore, I love this story about how you first got to Merrill and having worked with so many veterans at our company and know the value and the unbelievable skills they bring. I'm wondering when you think about hiring other vets, why your candidacy was so well received, what are those skills that you think veterans bring in to the corporate sector? First, before I forget, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank J.P. Morgan for the support that they've provided for veterans, particularly over the last decade. I transitioned out 2007 through business school, graduated in 2009, and there really weren't transition programs at that point in time, right? So there were a bunch of veterans already on Wall Street that were literally just forwarding resumes. If that would come to you, you'd send them around also spend some time with them trying to help them get through the interview process because it is challenging translating those 
skill sets. So I remember my investment banking interview at Merrill, this civilian looked at my resume is like, what does any of this have to do with investment banking? And I just said, I was like, I change jobs every three years, minimally, new roles each time. I got in, I figured it out. Over the course of the year, I became the best at what I do. Veterans are used to functioning in high-performing teams, in high-stakes environments. Without a doubt, they know how to lead. That's table stakes. But when you're coming into a junior role in an organization, you're not going to get that chance to leave right off the bat. So you're going to have to rely on some other skills. And that is being part of high-performing teams, knowing how to contribute. You do fall back a little bit on that followership initially, and you just perform. That is just the perfect way to sum it up. And we absolutely believe that at J.P. Morgan Chase. When you think about what you were doing in the military, the high stakes that you were describing, and then going into the corporate sector, I'm wondering how you bring perspective to your jobs. On days now that feel stressful to you or when you see colleagues stressing out, knowing that you've been through and all your training experiences, how do you bring that perspective and share with others that it's going to be okay? We first have to acknowledge the transition is hard. For me, I would seek out other veterans for support. We're all going through the same thing, trying to find our way in the civilian sector. My first summer as an associate, I still remember the day where it was probably my third time trying to get one line on a graph in page 32 of this pitch deck right, and I couldn't do it. And I just kept messing it up over and over again. And I just talked about performance, right? And I was clearly underperforming. I was very disappointed in myself. And I'm not ashamed to admit at this point in my life that I went into the bathroom and cried about it. Picked myself up, dusted myself off, got back in there and figured it out. That being said, that was the summer internship. I wanted to make sure I got a job, was very concerned about failing. By the time I hit my desk and I had been through two years of business school, further into the transition, that perspective was back. There are days when I'm sitting at my desk where things felt a little bit tough and had to remind myself, not 120 degrees, I'm not driving on an IED-laden road in Iraq, I'm not getting shot at. All of this is fine. Folks will tell you I'm pretty calm at work. I'm pretty calm dealing with the four little kids that I deal with at home. Nothing's that stressful anymore. Wow. I can't even imagine your resolve of steel, especially at home. So would love to talk to you about the work you do now. You're the chair and president of the board of Bunker Labs, and we are so proud to be a partner, JP Morgan is, and work together to really help veterans and entrepreneurs in particular. So I'd love for you to tell us about the organization. What's its mission? How are you trying to support vets in entrepreneurship? What Bunker Labs does is provide community programs and courses to help military veterans and military spouses start and grow successful businesses. We've got stages for early stage entrepreneurs, like our Breaking Barriers Workshop and our Veterans in Residence Program. And we also have programs for more senior experienced business leaders who also happen to be military connected. And that's the JP Morgan CEO Circle. Again, truly grateful for JP Morgan for supporting that particular program. Vets also love hiring other vets. So it really does have a magnifying effect when you do support some of these businesses that are a little bit further along and the impacts they're able to have on their ecosystems closer to home. It's tremendous. So thank you. You've talked about so many of the important skills that vets bring in to the workforce, entrepreneurship in particular, where you have to keep fighting day after day, get yourself back up, fail, as you said, fail forward, fail early. What makes veterans uniquely suited to entrepreneurship, in your opinion? Most veterans have served as part of high-performing teams in high-stakes environments. High-performing teams that are successful have a few characteristics. Trust and common purpose are at the core. It's as true in the military as it is with a founding team in a company or an emerging manager at a small venture fund. 
I would say the realm of entrepreneurship and venture capital, it's also really important to be able to tap into that grit, tell the story about the 120 degree heat and not getting shot at. I've handled myself in the toughest of environments and there's nothing that you can't accomplish with the right team. So among the companies that you've helped through Bunker Labs, I'm curious if there's any interesting success stories that you've witnessed that you can share. First, I would just encourage anyone listening to spend a few minutes on the Bunker website. There are so many entrepreneur highlights that I think will just absolutely inspire you. Where I work in venture capital at First In, over half of our Fund One founding CEOs are military or intelligence community veterans. Wasn't per se intentional. We're actually not a vet-focused fund. Today, I would say shout out to Rob Johnston, fellow Marine and USNA grad. The company he founded, Adlumen, just closed another successful funding round after achieving fantastic revenue growth over the last few years. Rennie McPherson, that's Firstin's founder, has been supporting Rob since the company's inception, done tremendously. Ling Shao of Spectrum AI. So she is a former army nurse turned successful entrepreneur. She was inspired to start Spectrum by her four autistic sons. So what Spectrum does is democratize access to autism care. She just successfully closed a Series A round in March. Unbelievable. And what a mission. Incredible. Thank you for that. You mentioned that you are at First In, a venture capital firm. And tell us about that. What is the mission of First In? How did you get drawn to that work? And how does the work then really overlap with Bunker Labs? Our vision at First In is to empower entrepreneurs who secure our freedom. So we do that by investing in early stage security technology companies. And security technology encompasses cybersecurity, defense tech, data, data automation, slash AI. Our core team is all military veterans. We all have had unique experiences. We have complementary overlapping skill sets to bring to bear when we think about our investments. Our goal is to ensure that the companies that we invest in are truly positioned for long-term success. Once we invest, we continue to support those companies in whatever capacity they need it, from go-to-market to product road mapping. And with me, the specialty that I bring to bear is I spent a long time working at a boutique consultancy focused on organizational management and leadership development, and I'm able to bring that to our early stage companies. So you're looking and helping them with the people aspect, the leaders in their company, how they're going to grow their own teams? Absolutely. I've just been incredibly passionate about my entire career. I mean, it seems like that is a thread you can easily see woven through for you. You've also referenced the importance of veterans getting help, getting mentors, getting coaches, especially as they make a transition to a different career. Why is that so important, do you think? And if you're talking to other veterans, what advice would you give to them to really seeking out those mentors and support? Typically, when it comes to mentorship, what I see are transitioning veterans seeking out other veterans that have made the transition. That's fantastic. But that's also just one point of view. What I've learned in the 15 years since I've been out is we think we lead in diverse environments in the military. And then you get out and you spend some time in the civilian world and you realize it really isn't quite as diverse as you think. So I think seeking out mentors that have had dramatically different experiences than you as a transitioning veteran, that's probably the most important because you will greatly benefit from that diverse perspective. I love that. And diversity in this case, you're defining as experiences. Diversity across all dimensions, different life experiences, work experiences, everything. Lenore, you've talked about being a woman in the military, and I'm wondering what your experiences has also been in the VC sector. And in particular, how do you think diversity and inclusion needs to play a bigger role in the VC sector? 
I think it's incredibly important to have more representative capital allocators. What JP Morgan is doing with Project Spark, supporting diverse allocators with funding, can truly help to shift where capital flows. I think we're all aware of the dismal statistics when it comes to women and people of color trying to raise venture capital, but also many veterans that want to start businesses don't, and access to capital is one of the biggest barriers. This is where I see getting funds in the hands of diverse allocators will really change who is funded. Our fund at First In doesn't have a specific veteran focus, yet over half of our founding CEOs in Fund One are military or IC vets. So when you have more diverse capital allocators, you will have more diverse people being funded. It's such an important part of the equation. It can't just be the founders. It must be the funders as well. So when you think about your transition in and now in venture, is venture or really entrepreneurship, would you say, good sectors for veterans to be in? Do they each enable veterans to bring their skill sets to bear? When I think about the challenges that you face as an early stage entrepreneur, it really does go back to some of the challenges you would have experienced as a small team leader in the military. One, figuring out your markets, figuring out your product, bringing together the right team around that vision, that mission. It is absolutely a great path for veterans that want to transition. Now, I would say there are some barriers. Access to capital connections are difficult. There are definitely are a lot more resources out there like Bunker Labs, like Warrior Rising, like IBMF that are there to help vets transition into entrepreneurship. But you're definitely going to have to rely on those skills that you develop in the military in order to be successful. The way you're also focused at first in on technology and security also seems to be a good sweet spot for folks coming out of the military. So how did you use that background and what do you see as just that great leverage point? I think it's a tremendous way for veterans to get into technology. When I first got out, I probably ran away from everything military related. At the end of the day, that was a mistake. We're seeing the tech and innovation sectors booming and more specifically, defense tech is having this true moment in the sun. You've got the DOD with an $800 billion budget and only a very small fraction of that currently going to startups. Yet the DOD is screaming, we need more innovation, we need more help. And so we're at this moment in time where the DOD recognizes the need, the challenges in front of us when it comes to maintaining America's position as a superpower. And you need innovative entrepreneurs helping out and solving those problems. It truly does present a great way for veterans to leverage their time and experiences while in the military, leverage their direct technical expertise and bring that to bear. So I think defense tech is an amazing place for veterans to excel. So as I hear you describe defense tech, I have to tell you a funny story. I started my career working on a newsletter in Washington, D.C. It was called Technology Transfer Week. I thought I was going to be a journalist. I was at the time. And this whole purpose of the newsletter was to talk about technology being commercialized out of government labs into the private sector. So that's what I wrote about all day long. And some of the highlights was going to the Pentagon, going to speak with defense labs about what technology they were bringing out, and then going to see that like night vision that turned into goggles and all sorts of things. It was so fun. And I think about that all the time, that those technologies so important to our security, but obviously have so many applications to civilian life, to consumers. Do you see that too, that veterans can have that unique perspective in commercializing something outside the defense system? 
Absolutely. I think about Aloysius Boyle. He's a venture partner with us and also about to take over as CEO of one of our companies. And he is our go-to-market guru. Former Marine really is able to talk the talk as a salesperson, really understands the products. He's tremendous from a go-to-market perspective. Veterans can figure that out and can articulate the value outside of the DoD applications. That's incredibly important too. So Lenore, speaking of fun, but also hard work, you mentioned you had four young children. And I can imagine it's a lot of both, fun and work. So would love to hear how you balance that life. How do you manage motherhood with such a robust career? To answer fairly, probably not always that well. After my time at the hedge fund, I took a bit of a break. It was my first time without a full-time job in 20 years. Very weird transition. I was still doing my work with Bunker Labs, but I had some time to figure out what was going to be really important in my next opportunity. For me, I really was looking forward to finding the right team, the right mission, where I can go somewhere and truly leverage all of my previous experience, but still be incredibly challenged. When I picked back up full-time with First In, I become a bit work obsessed again. I don't think that's a horrible place to be as a GP at an emerging fund, but I do really have to actively work to create boundaries for myself. And when you live at work, i.e. work from home, that isn't really always easy. What's helped truly is finding the right partners, ideally both at work and in my home life. My partners at First In, both former Marines, we are all truly values aligned. The trust and common purpose is there. And they also happen to be at very much the same stage of life that I'm at. I've got four kids. They each have three little kids. They don't care if I talk to them at soccer practice at 5 p.m. They trust I'm going to get the work done, even if I'm not literally sitting at my desk from 8 to 6. Truly finding the right partners makes all the difference. You're so right. We've been talking to a lot of our guests this year about ambition. And I almost hesitate to ask you this question because obviously you are very ambitious, but in your perspective, your self-perspective, do you consider yourself ambitious? And if so, what are you ambitious to do? I do consider myself ambitious. I think I've had to do a lot of introspection about what that ambition actually looks like over the past 18 to 24 months when I was taking a bit of a break and really think about how do I bring all of these experiences that I've had to bear in the right way? How am I going to make my impact over the course of the next 20 years? And I'd say between the work that I'm able to do with Bunker Labs, supporting that veteran entrepreneur ecosystem, what I'm able to do through my work at First In, empowering entrepreneurs who secure our freedom. I'm able to have impact through both the nonprofit work that I do and in my day job. Ultimately, Bunker is going to be successful in supporting veterans in that space. First In is going to be successful in empowering entrepreneurs to secure our freedom. We're going to grow a big fund. We're going to have a great impact going forward. So yeah, I definitely am a bit ambitious. But I love how crystal clear you are, both in the nonprofit world, the for-profit world. You just seem very laser focused on these things and have found a great way to bring them together for one singular purpose, just through different channels. I love this way you've approached it. And I also love this portfolio view of life, really, that you have which is how you're doing different things, again, with the same goal. Nothing I did in the past really makes sense. I didn't like have this really crystal clear career trajectory. These are the things that I need to do to get to wherever it is that I'm going. I lucked into some of those experiences. The time on Wall Street was tremendous and definitely influenced some of my early thinking. 
those things didn't make sense until I stepped into this venture capital space. I've got the financial acumen. I've had the experiences helping other organizations grow, helping leaders develop, and didn't really see early on that the right place for me long-term could be in venture capital. Didn't aspire to it, but I was lucky enough to have Rennie McPherson say, when it's early stage investments, we need someone that understands the markets. We need folks that are great at the technology. And we also need someone that's great at team. That's really where I spike. What's so interesting about that is, well, on the one hand, you could say you took a risk going into VC. You really didn't because you had those underlying skills. You were just applying them in a new way. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. I would also say, look, the risk is there. It's an emerging fund. We're only on fund two. We are in probably the toughest fundraising environment that anyone's seen in years, particularly for emerging managers. But it's de-risked in that I have the right partners in this fight. I'm literally working with who I believe are two of the most incredible investors in their particular areas of expertise, and that's defense tech and cybersecurity. And we also have this moment in time when there is this recognition that if we don't fund these technologies, fund these entrepreneurs, literally America may lose its place as a superpower. We're at this moment in time where I think we're going to be able to be successful and help keep America on top. Amazing mission right there the biggest. So are there any specific projects you're working on now that you want to share with the audience? The Journey to Lead program. So it's not a project I'm working on. I'm incredibly grateful for the support and the mentorship that I'm getting. But the Journey to Lead program is taking applications now. I am surrounded by some of the most incredible female peers and mentors that I could possibly learn from. I mean, they literally inspire me every day. From a bunker perspective, if you're a military-connected entrepreneur, mill spouse, veteran, kid of a veteran, we don't care, military-connected in any way, if you're interested in learning about entrepreneurship, join our community. And from a first-in perspective, if you're an entrepreneur or potential investor in the security technology space, please just connect. So as we wrap up this conversation, what message or encouragement do you want to share with veterans who might be listening to this around Veterans Day? So I just want to remind everyone that, look, the transition is hard. It is very hard. But if you're open, you'll find your mission and purpose again. It'll never be the same, but that is okay. Do your best to stay involved with the veteran ecosystem. Find others that get it and get you, and then keep paying it forward. And remember, there really is nothing that you can't accomplish when you surround yourself with the right team. Thank you so much. That is so powerful. I really appreciate that, not only for veterans, but really everyone in general. Those are great words. Lenore, thank you so much for talking about your experiences, for everything you do, for your community, for women. It's just a pleasure to speak with you and to know everything that you've worked on and where it's going in the future. So thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Lenore. I enjoyed hearing about how she made transitions to different sectors and used her skills across roles and industries. And I especially appreciate her messages about keeping things in perspective, finding the courage to do hard things, and surrounding yourself with supportive people and teams. J.P. Morgan Chase is a proud partner of Bunker Labs. For more information, go to BunkerLabs.org. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. 
For J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.